0: Man, that intro is just so awesome. I love it, dude. I know. I I know it's awesome. I know everybody else loves it, too, because I've been getting comments about it. But listen, everybody obviously know we are live and what an honor it is to sit back down with my man, Michael Carrere and SFL Mini GPC. I didn't fuck it up, Mike. I've had a lot of time practicing giving you guys a shout out. So, yeah, I didn't mess it up this time. I'm proud of myself. But anyway, welcome, brother, man. How you been?
1: Thank you, dude. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. I'm excited to do this again with you. And before we even get going, let me go ahead and tell you that you are probably the hardest working man in podcast today. Dude, you Thanks, got man. one every other day. Every day you're pumping them out. I'm waiting for them to blow up. I am. I'm waiting for them to blow up. So all of them other people who said, nah, his podcast ain't big enough. I ain't getting on are Gonna regret it. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for them regret emails like, yo, sorry, I gotta put you on the back burner. I got so and so coming up next. So that's love right. It. Love it. Congratulations, I, man, I, dude. You're kicking ass,
0: dude. Thank you so much, man. I I really appreciate it. What an honor, man. And honestly, Mike, like, I never, you know, I tell people if you'd have told me two years ago I'd be doing this shit. I'd be like, Yeah, okay, whatever. But then since I've been on here, man, it's like, dude, this something just woke up inside me and I can't stop, dude. I just I just gotta keep. No, Just keep it. going, man. Uh yeah. Keep and keep you're hitting going.
1: People from all over the place, which makes it even better. You're hitting people from all over the place, and it's awesome. It's good. You know, it's it's giving them time to express themselves. You're allowing them to, you know, meet other people that are connected through your show. And it's cool, dude. It's really, really cool. So congratulations to you, bravo. Thank Hold
0: you. On. How's, that, how's
1: Thank that work? Hold on. How's that work?
0: Nope. My hands don't do it. Oh, what? Mine's not doing it neither now. Dude, exactly. it was doing it. Oh, go. no. There you go. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Nothing but love. No, you right. My hand's on do, do it. That's all right. That's all. Right. We'll figure it out, dude, because I had one guest that did it, and they actually showed me. They're like, did you just see that? I was like, what'd you just do? Yeah, so I don't know. We'll figure out. Uh, damn computers, right? Again, absolutely. But yeah, man, so listen, last time I had you on, it was all about how you got the whole Dude, listen, what you doing for the sport again, and I said this, for the whole SFL Mini and just everybody in the whole United States, best program, hands down, I tell everybody that, uh, especially if you want to learn how to ride, grow up and race, man, there's no better class in people then Michael Carrera and SFL. They've already had 2023 Avery, the lapse layer Dreyer champion come straight out the program. I mean, that's, yeah. listen, that's all that needs to be said, right? I mean, I honestly,
1: it's a, it's a massive, massive milestone. Um, my partners up North, you know, Ryan and, and Nathan, they've been doing it, you know, I think 10 years longer than I have at this point. So they've got a lot more accolades in, in that field, but I'm glad, you know, as seven years in, we were able to get our first champion, our first national champion, you know, come out of the ranks and no one better than Avery and his family to, to show what the program is able to do. And it's proven, right? The program is proven many GP kids show up. And when people find out a Mini GP kids, they're at the track, they're like, no shit. We either got to show up or, or sit back and applaud them because they're, they're there. They're professional. They know how to act. They know how to behave. They know how to talk to you. And when they go out on the racetrack, man, they're, they're killers. So it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic that we've been able to breed, that style of athlete that we've been able to breed that style of family. And, um, I'm honored, you know, at the end of the day, they, they represent me. They represent the the logo. They represent the the school and everything that's part of it. And it's built around them. So, you know, they, they choose and decide to do what they want to do with it. And I'm glad they've decided to do what they're doing at this point.
0: What's, What's up, buddy. How's it so going? Say good. So I just got off the school bus. Look, you don't let Cruz in here. Get him out of here. Cause he's going to be in here barking the whole time and talking. Dude, yeah, absolutely crucial. But yeah, you're right, man. You, um, listen, you, you said I, I'm the hardest working guy on podcast and I think, but listen, ditto to you too. Same thing with you and, the, and working full time and doing the whole SFL mini and weekend week out programming. do getting sponsorships on board. I mean, there's, you're a busy man. Wife, yeah, no, yeah. And
1: I'm telling you, dude, if it wasn't for, for my right hand, which is my wife, if she didn't let me miss out on half of the family stuff, I miss out to get this stuff done, it probably wouldn't be who it is today. So big shout out to her. She's uh she's a big integral portion of it, you know, behind the scenes. A lot of people don't get to see her. You know, she's not the face and she's not the yappity one all over the place, but she she allows me to do what I gotta do. She takes care of the home while I'm out there doing what I gotta do, and she works full-time as well. So it's um it, it's a full family effort, 110%. And now Julian's freaking old enough to do his part also. So I have him lug stuff around and do stuff too. Grayson's turning 10. Well, Grayson is 10, so he's coming up next, man. It's gonna be everybody involved at that point. But yeah, man, it's a it's a lot of work, it's a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of money that's involved in it too, trying to keep everything safe and sound and, and up to date with the times and whatnot. So a lot there's a lot that goes into it and you know again it at the end of the day it is a business and you know it's got to pay for itself and it's got to be worthwhile and for me the the smiles the happiness the memories and all the stuff that we make you know every weekend that we go out and have some fun really really makes it worthwhile so the cherry on top is the speed of the kids and everyone that comes out but the true true cake is the the memories the smiles and the fun so that that
0: for sure dude 110 couldn't agree more right and plus you know, my mom always says it, it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to raise a racer too, right? Same 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 thing. Um yeah, yeah it's it's and and yeah, dude, it's I can't be more proud of what you guys do. As a matter of fact, I got the old uh logo on here. Yeah. They updated theirs, so when my new shirts come out, uh yeah, the new logo I, will I made a promise,
1: I made a promise to their marketing department. I'm not going to be changing the logo for a long time now. So this is the logo. This is the one we're going with. So Rick Lover designed that logo, man. It it really brings us up, I think, to another level, right? The old logo is super cool. Don't take anything away from it. The old logo is cool, but you know, when you put this one up against MotoGP and FIM and Road to America, you know, Road to MotoGP and Moto America, man, the logo stands out. And now, when you see it, you know, MiniGP is MiniGP. So, we're there. We're there, and I feel like we're there. I know that we're there. I can confidently say that we're there. And if you don't know who we are, well, you better find out who we are because those kids are coming and they're spreading. So I'm excited. I'm super, super excited.
0: Absolutely. a big shout out to Rick Glover. Cause Hey, he did our, our logo to our new one. So yeah, he's uh, a <laughs> absolutely proper guy, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it's awesome seeing, you know, the family, especially the background of you in the business with SFO mini, how family oriented it is. And it's a, uh, That's what to me what sets it apart too, the uniqueness of it, right? It's not, uh, um, what I want to say. It's first funded by you, first and foremost, until you started growing and growing and growing, right? Um, so
1: yeah, we started with a Honda Ridgeline and two fifties. That's what we started with back in two thousand, early two thousand sixteen. January of two thousand sixteen was our very first event. Uh, my guys up in New Jersey, New Jersey Mini GP came down with their rentals to help. And from there, we've gone to the point to where now I've got a 32-foot trailer with 25 bikes in it. I've got gear for every size and manageable you can think of um, and everything else in between. So uh, it's it, it's been a lot of growing in the past seven going on to eight years, but it's been a smart growth. It's been intelligent growth. It's been a gradual growth. And we've been able to keep up and, and keep doing what we do from day one. So I'm, that that's the good news about it for sure.
0: Absolutely. It's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful. I, I can't tell it, being I tell everybody all the time, obviously. But, yeah, dude, so listen, dude, eight years running. Man, I know you come Uh, let's, – let's go 2023 season first sure. and foremost, right? So 2023 season was proper for SFL Mini GP. You had some champions that were championships again within yep. the series. And then – Obviously the standout from Avery. Um, so yeah, congratulations, Mike. Thank you, How did you, see- Thank you
1: Yeah, man. Um, 2023 numbers-wise was really good. Um, we grew the grids, we grew the families in attendance, we grew the new riders. Um, adding that dual weekend with a new rider session in our track days um on the Saturdays. I, I was nervous. I, I wasn't sure if people were gonna feel like they're being excluded from the group. I wasn't sure if people were going to be like, "Oh crap!" The only way I can get coached is if I'm a new rider, and I'm I'm glad that that program and the way we built our weekends really welcomed a lot of people to come on, and it wasn't that pressure like, "Oh crap!" If I'm going to ride SFL, I have to race. Well, no, that's why we we went to the two days. You can come out just on Saturday. You don't have to ride Saturday in order to run Sunday. You don't have to run Sunday in order to run Saturday. If you want to come out and just play at the track and and hang out with your friends and do a track day, Saturday's there. If you want to get coached, you know, coaching is there on Saturday. Sunday's race day. I mean, it is what it is. It's race day. You qualify and you race. So if you wanted to come out and race, that's what Sunday was for. So the dual weekends went really, really good. You know, it was another moment where my wife and I sat down and I said, all right, are we going to roll the dice? Because when you're doing two days, now you're doubling up all your costs, right? You're there for two days. You're paying double the rent, double the insurance, double the people that are coming out, double the EMTs and everything else that shows up. For a track day so you know it's it was a risk we rolled the dice but I think our families are enjoying you know being there the full weekend instead of having to arrive on a Sunday morning hang out for six hours pack everything up and go home I mean that becomes tedious for for everybody so you show up on a Friday night you camp up you set up your tent you hang out all weekend and then Sunday you pack up your stuff you go home it's a bit more relaxing it's not so rushed and and the families are are, are gravitating to it because it's it's working right clearly it's working people are enjoying they're coming out so 2023 was a strong um year for for the championship it was a strong year for new riders and then outside of the championship it was really strong for for our kids and our alumni uh what, what I like to call them anyway our <laughs> alumni you know moving out and moving on with uh Avery Dreer finishing you know championship of the Junior Cup in Motor America um Julian Korea finishing uh, P five in the British talent cup. Um, Isaac was new to Moto America. So he got introduced to Moto America last year. Uh, Logan Cunnison also first timer going out to motor America. So he was a rookie in motor America. Um, Andrew way got his feet wet, um, later in the year in New Jersey with motor America, so he'll be full-time into 2024. Um, Ella Dreyer is going out this year, 2024, also going to be a rookie for Moto America. Um, and then outside of that, just mini GP alumni with the kids from New Jersey. You got Gus Rodeo, who almost won the Twins Cup Championship. Um, yeah, Joe LaMondre out there. You've got uh Brandon Posh. We all know what Brandon Posh, who he is, what he does. Brandon Posh, also mini GP alumni. PJ Jacobson had a really strong year in Superbike. He's also alumni. Tyler Scott, also an alumni from New Jersey. Um Man, I'm I'm Anthony Masiato, also an alumni. Stefano Mesa has been in and out of mini GP ever since he's been a kid. So he's also had a really, really strong year last year. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm missing so many other kids, but there's a lot of them, man. There's a lot of them. I remember, I think last year for one of the Motor America races, I literally wrote down, I went through every single one of the grid sheets. And I wrote down every single freaking rider and I hit them out and I I literally filled up a piece of paper. I filled up an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper of all the mini GP kids. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not the one who started mini GP. Uh, Ryan Fleming Fleming and Nathan Granoff up up north are the ones who started it. I fell into it and I brought it down to South Florida and I've been able to build, you know, what we've built today. But um, we're fortunate. We're fortunate to have mini GP on the East Coast. Um, There's other mini GP organizations around, you know, the USA, but they're not they're not structured like us. They're not built like us. Um, They're more than welcome to be. I mean, everything is public knowledge. You can head into our website and see how we do everything and and what happens. But, you know, I I don't understand the reluctiveness of building a unified, you know, mini series front and kind of keep everything. So whether someone's traveling from the Midwest, to California or from Kansas to New Jersey, wherever they go, they know where their bike fits, what classes they're going into, and everything's the same. Ideally, you know, my five-year, 10-year plan would be to have that. To no matter what mini organization you went to across the globe, they were all run the same. They all look the same, so everything was the same. And I'm, I put my foot down, and I raised my hand. And I said, hey, clearly what we do is working, so feel free to copy and, and go about what you want to do. If you want that mini GP in your name, well, let's have a conversation and figure out what that means to you. But, um, you know, the information is there. It's there. And actually, the guys, uh, Southeast Mini Moto, they, they started really small a couple of years ago. This year, they branched out to some bigger tracks, tracks that we've been to before. But I live in South Florida, man. I've I've run that whole southeast region, you know, the 12 hour, the 14 hour one way road trips to get mini GP to other regions of the United States. And it just it wasn't financially feasible. It wasn't mentally feasible. It wasn't physically feasible. driving home on a sunday for 14 hours to get up and go to work the following day isn't fun for anybody so i'm glad those guys are starting to branch out you know they're starting to do you know nice big things big events proper events in their area they take a lot of what we do in mini gp so i'm excited for them and clearly it's working so uh 2023 was good 2023 was good um another influence for us on 2023 was chris glandon you know you had him on your podcast you know a handful of weeks ago and Chris kind of jumped into that market that I just, I don't have the time to, unfortunately I don't have the time to, if I did, I'd be in there with him in the trenches. So I'm glad he's got the time and the opportunity to be able to get the new riders out, whether it's riders for the street, you know, a lot of his stuff is concentrated around street riding and being a safer rider on the street. Some of them translate over to SFL and have made it over to the races. So, you know, a lot of that new rider impact has come from, from what he does. So big, big, big congrats to him. I know initially I got a lot of messages saying, hey, who's this Chris Glandon guy? What's he doing with minis? You know, is he starting to come into your territory? And it's like, guys, <laughs> A, that's not my personality, right? I, it's not my personality. I like competition. I, I yes. like getting pushed and, and thrown into different realms to to kind of inspire new things to come out. But Chris, Chris has always been genuine from the front. You know, he always reached out from the beginning, said, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is my plan. And he's executed it. He's executed it really, really well. Um, one of his coaches is George. George has been one of our coaches for a really, really long time. They live in a part of Florida where our racetracks are, you know, for me to get to a racetrack, it's four hours for him. It's 30 minutes. So he's gotten, he's in the sweet spot to be able to do exactly what he's doing. He's got a massive parking lot now that he's cleaning up to be able to do for his drill. So that's just going to attract more people. And at the end of the day, you know, whether your riders are coming to mini GP or they're going anywhere else, we get people on motorcycles. That's great for the sport at the end of the day. Right. Um, The only way you become a millionaire in this sport is if you started off as a billionaire. So it's definitely not a money thing. (laughs) I can guarantee you. Ain't that
0: a fact, brother man? Yes.
1: Let me make that perfectly clear. My home was not built by Mini GP. Let me say that right there. Okay. I have a job, I have a career, I have many degrees and licenses and diplomas. My home is not built on mini GP. Mini GP might take my home. It didn't <laughs> build my home. That's for sure. <laughs> oh,
0: at least two. At least two mortgages, right? Yeah, yeah. refinances. Yeah, I, for sure.
1: Exactly. So uh, you know, it's it's more for the love of the sport. It's more of turning the hobby into a passion, um, and then you know, eventually it became a business, and and the business is doing really well. So I I can't complain. Twenty twenty three was was a fantastic year for sure
0: proper year yes it was yes it was many champions many previous champions that retained their championship but um dude you know i would love to be able to see like a bunch of the mini gps throughout the whole country of the united states every champion whatever the 110 the 190 blah, blah, blah 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 and then everybody come together for a one big sfl mini blowout championship right that would be super cool
1: yeah, it's and so we've we've had a lot of those conversations. The the real problem, Chris, is how big this country is, right? Yeah. So yeah. in order to try and do a one centralized championship, it's gonna cost some families more than it's gonna cost others. And at the end of the day, our, our goal has always been to be feasible to all the families of America, right? So in, in my mind, right, if I was to do it, you'd have, you know a Southwest mini GP you'd have a Northwest mini GP. You'd have a central South central North. You'd have a Southeast with us and the Northeast with New Jersey. And you know, all those conglomerates are all running the way everything runs has organized. You guys all have, you know, your championships for the year and those guys own those regions. There's no feasible way of making a national mini series in the United States without segregating the families that can't can't cover the cost you know if i have to drive from florida to washington that's 32 hours yeah i mean one way and that right there is going to blow out 70 percent of people's budgets to be able to run that championship so why do it yes it's a great in theory yes motocross does it in one way but you're also talking motocross right you're talking tons of backing tons of money tons of stuff If there's sponsors that want to step up and say, dude, I love the idea, you know, here's a hundred grand to be able to feed these families, to get them out done. That's a different story. Then we funnel the money and we get to, and we make it happen. But if it's going to be off of people's backs and pockets, you've got to make it regional enough to where you're attracting enough kids to push each other, but then not having a parent worry about, oh shit, my son's doing really, really well. My daughter's doing really, really well, but I can't afford that trip to Washington. I can't afford that trip to New Jersey. And then what do you do? Now that kid is secluded. Now the kid is like, oh, well, I've done everything I needed to do. Why can't I go to the championship? And then mom and dad have to be like, well, we, we can't afford it. And, you know, if our country was just the size of Florida or just the size of Spain or just the size. Are you uk Italy,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Easy. Yeah. It's four to six hours either way. And you knock it out. It takes me five hours to get to Florida alone. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's you have to understand the big picture. And I know a lot of people don't understand it. And I know a lot of people have tried um, and it's just, it's not going to be successful until you're able to seclude all the different regions because of how freaking big we are and say, okay, these are the champions. They are who they are. And you kind of, you keep your regional championship. There's until we have that kind of money pocketed from sponsors to say, we will pay for families to get to a national championship it doesn't make sense to run one it doesn't do it It just it doesn't and being in the sport outside of being a promoter being a father I know what it takes to be the father of a rider I know what it takes to be the father of two riders because both of my kids ride and if I got to cover that kind of cost to be able to run nationally versus stay local and have my kids get more seat time I'm gonna pick having my kids get more seat time just because I'm gonna get more out of it right that's my and they
0: will too yeah for sure
1: yeah so the our country as great as it is it's D it's negative is how freaking big it is for this yeah. sport anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. For this sport. So
0: that, yeah, you're right.
1: Uh, it's just something we've got to deal with and it'll take time, right? It'll take time. I see it happening, you know, whether I'm, I'm included and, and I'm part of it happening, or I've turned the keys over to someone else and someone keeps the flag going and, and it happens. I see it happening. It's just, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be financially smart for the families to be able to do it. And at the end of the day, if, the families can't do it then what's the point
0: point? 110 percent. speaking of finances in the sport man how expensive is this you're a dad you got two kids uh-huh. that are racing right so uh-huh. let's go over how expensive the sport is and tell people what the cost really is and all that good stuff that goes along with it sure so uh,
1: you know you i i've my my previous life was a soccer player so i've gone through the ball sports right i've i played olympic development i played d1 in college so i've I've done all the multiple levels of what soccer is um i got raised, i was raised by a single mom you know single mom two boys working two three jobs just to be able to feed us and luckily the sport that we fell into isn't a sport that's relatively expensive it's cheap compared to motorsports So for the families, when they come in, you know, when they come into the sport, when they come into our events, we are the cheapest form of this sport. Believe it or not, we are. Um, Outside of that, once you start growing the ranks, you know, everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. Everything has a value. Tires aren't cheap. Race fuel isn't cheap. Leathers aren't cheap. The machine isn't cheap. If you want a competitive machine, finding the proper mechanics isn't cheap. You need a suspension guy. You need a tuning guy. You need this guy. You need that guy, right? All of it becomes overwhelming sometimes, right? So you're like, okay, fine. I'll pay a team. Okay, well, a team isn't going to be cheap, right? Because you're still paying for all that and the team needs to make profits so that they can keep going. Okay, well, I'm going to run a lad and dad team. Okay, fine. You can run a lad and dad team up until a certain point. And at that point, you're not going to be competitive anymore because you're missing those other pieces, right? So The sport isn't cheap. You know, I wanna make that perfectly clear. It is motorsports, just like any type of motorsport, motorsport is not cheap. So when you enter this sport, when you enter the reality that you start to find after you get, you know, through the butterflies and the excitement, you really need to sit down and kind of plan what path you wanna take. And there is no wrong path, right? You don't have to become a professional. You don't have to be engulfed in it throughout your entire life. You don't have to have it rule in your life because I've met many, many families that have just thrown everything into it and have lost it because at one point the rider who's the most important factor of it all says, nah, this is too much pressure. I ain't doing this. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go hang out with my boys. Okay, well now what do you do? You took out a second mortgage. You bought all this stuff. You've got all this stuff sitting around and the guy who's supposed to be using it, whether it's a, female or male they don't want to ride anymore because it's too much pressure right you you can't do that to the rider i don't care how old they are i don't care if there's five years old 15 years old 25 years old when they feel there's enough pressure in the sport to be competitive to have to feel the pressure from the home to be competitive as well right so coming from a father of an international racer and a young racer If I'm sitting here feeding onto Julian saying, hey, you have to go win these races. You have to go win this championship because I've done all of this. Well, do you think he's going to be thinking about anything else besides, oh shit, I got to fulfill dad? He's not thinking about his riding. He's not thinking about what he's doing. He's not thinking about his racing. He's freaking out because now he made a mistake somewhere and oh shit, now I fell behind the ball. Now what am I going to do? It's not fun, right? So you have to sit down with your family. You have to sit down with your budget. And that's one of our building blocks is planning. When you come out to our three-day camp, we talk about our building blocks. And one of those building blocks is planning. And if you can't be honest with yourself and your family and say, hey, this is what we have allocated in this bucket for this. This is what we have allocated in this bucket for this. We can't go outside those buckets. So either we find other ways of filling in the buckets or this is the box that we're staying in. You got to be honest with yourselves because or else you're going to drive yourself crazy. Oh, man. But. I don't have enough money in this bucket and my kid's the next Rossi. Okay, well, let me explain something to you. There's many, many next Rossis that are sitting at home right now because the parents didn't understand the plan, the budget, didn't allocate what they needed to allocate and lost it all. So whether your kid's the next Rossi or not, it's going to be a long time before someone figures it out. And they're not going to figure it out when he's five. They're not going to figure it out when he's 15. They're not going to figure it out until you make it to the world stage. And making it to the world stage is not easy. Making it into the paddock in Mode of America is a little easier, but it's also not easy to be found and, you know, turned into one of those racers that actually gets paid to race because there's very, very few and far in between in those racers. So, my opinion, my experience is you really need to sit down with your family, sit down with your racer, understand your expectations, understand what those expectations cost. Understand how much of those expectations you can fund. At that point, you know what you got to go find, right? Hey, it's going to cost us $30,000 this year for you to go racing. Mom and dad can cover 10. We need to find 20. Cool. Go cut lawns, go door to door, knock on the pizzerias, the local dentists, the the lawyers, whatever, say, hey, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, start picking up money to put into those pockets because you're not going to send out your resume to 2000 emails and expect someone to cut you a $10,000 check. Because you, along with a thousand other people, are doing the same exact thing. You're just a number. It's not going to happen. So some of the racers get lucky, and that whale comes into their life and takes care of a lot of the cost, and they're able to go out and play. There's many more racers that don't get out of where they're at right now just because they don't have the budget or the finances to do it. And then you've got the people in between that kind of teeter-totter that line just about failure, just about you know progression, where they kind of just carry through and Dad gets burnt out. Mom gets burnt out. Little brother gets burnt out because now little brother is not getting love. It's all about the one, 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 one. And it's it, it happens in my house. I'll admit it. It happens in my house. Julian takes 90 percent of the attention in this house. There. I said it. It's out in the open. Julian takes 90 percent of the, the, the attention in this house because of where he is currently. Right. It sucks to say that as a dad, it sucks to say that as a coach, it sucks to say that as a family member, but it's true. I I don't give and we don't give Grayson the amount of time that we've given Julian. And Grayson's a fantastic rider. Grayson can hop on a bike. And the good thing I'm fortunate enough with Grayson is I can sit there, I can coach and teach him. And in 15 minutes, he's doing exactly what I told him to do. So I'm able to progress him quicker to catch up. But dude, if I gave, if I literally split myself 50, 50 at this point, Grayson would be a better rider than Julian 110%. He would be, he just, he has that personality and that characteristic, but Julian right now is a very, very crucial point in his career, right? It's a, it's, it's the year it's, it's his strong year. He's the right weight. He's the right age. He's the right strength. He fits everything the right way. He's done all the right training. His mindset's in the right place. Um, Coach Mike Torres has done amazing things with him. So the mini GP program That building block of planning is is a long term thing, man. It's not you have to plan the months, you have to plan the years, you have to plan the decades if you want to plan out that far. But you do. You really have to plan out. And there's so many aspects to the sport, which makes it expensive also. Right. Because as a mom and a dad, you're going to talk to your kid one way, but then the coach is going to talk to him a different way. And a mentor is going to talk to him a different way. And he's going to listen about here, he's going to listen over here, he's going to listen over here, and he's going to ignore the shit out of his parents because parents don't know what the hell they're talking about, right? And I see it. I I see it in the paddock. I see it with the kids in the paddock, and that's the other part that I love about our paddock. So many members that we have turned into coaches because they know how to talk to the racers, right? Right. You know, I've, I've had many racers reach out and say, hey, uh, I'm willing to go coach if you give me some free seat time. I'm not interested in giving you free seat time if you don't know how to coach the kids. Right. So if you want to put the effort in, if you want to volunteer your time and you want to come out and spend it with the kids and see if you know how to coach the kids, then we can have a conversation. But I've, I've been really, really fortunate with a lot of the, the, the adult members of, of our community. To step up to coach because they're an extension of me they've seen me do so much of the coaching early on that they've been able to see what works and sure you know i i have the in the eyes of the kids i'm i'm like the coach right let's say without you know you know playing my fiddle too much but you know i'll walk up to a kid and i'll give a kid correction and a kid will react to it quicker because it's coming from me but the coaches that we have in the paddock are an extension of me, the kids are realizing that because I'm giving them that kind of power to be able to go out and coach. Scott Cunison, Logan's dad, military, strong voice, strong, deep, powerful voice. You're either gonna adapt to what Scott's telling you or you're gonna go back and cry to mom and dad. And both have happened, right? Some kids aren't used to that strong, male, deep commanding voice that scott has other kids react to it through fear right their initial reaction is oh shit i need to do what he does because i think he's going to kill me and then you have other kids that lack that kind of structure so they adapt to it real quick right and scott's our drill master i mean he's a drill sergeant scott will set up drills at our events and you hear him i mean there could be 450s on the track bro and you hear scott you hear him
0: Get lower, get lower, head head to wrist, blah blah. blah. And you're like, yo, who is Scott <laughs>
1: hollering at, dude? Like, who is he yelling at? And he's yelling at a five year old on a fifty. And the kid's like, Rrr! you know what I mean? And then you look behind your back, and there's another five year old crying to mom and dad because Coach Scott yelled at him. So <laughs> you know, it, there's different different flavors in the paddock, but it's. Going back to your question, you got a plan. You know what I mean? You, you got a plan. As a family of a racer, you've got a plan. You've got to know what you can what you can put out. And if you want to save a bucket for stretching, stretching a certain cost just to see, then that's what wall cards are for, right? If you put a wall card option together, pay the money for a wall card, see where the kid stacks up. We did it, right? We did it in the BTC. We want to see if it was worth taking the jump and do it. And wall cards are fantastic for that. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot of moving parts in the sport um, to be able to get you to certain levels. Um, none of it is going to be cheap. Um, I promise you, if you take a shortcut, it's going to be short lived. Um, there is a path. There is a method. There's a way of training. There's a way of racing. There's certain steps you need to take. And uh, ro- Gus Rodeo's dad, Kevin, you know, from Rodeo Racing. Him and I are, are like this when it comes down to that concept. Oh, I think uh, last last year, two years ago. No, last year. Gus almost wins the championship, all right? And Kevin starts getting overwhelmed with text messages. Hey, when's he jumping on a 600? When's he doing a super sport? We should put him on a stock 1,000. The kid's big, the kid's fast. And Kevin's like, bro, bro, hold on, right? I'm not the one that's doing it. Gus is doing it. If Gus wants to hop back on a twin, Gus is going to hop back on a twin. If he wants that championship we're going to go get that championship, right? So there's a lot of influence in this sport too. There's a lot of people that throw a lot of information at you, right? You're going to have the positives. You are gonna have the negatives. But again, you got to go back to your planning. You got to go back to, this is what we set aside. This is our path. If we're going to try something, let's try it, but we got to come back to our path. And this is the route. And I promise you, that's going to work a lot better than just throwing darts, throwing darts in the dark and be like, okay, let's go do this and when the bank gets to zero, we'll cry about and figure out how to do it again. That's not fun for anybody either.
0: No. And, it, and, and when you do it like that, you lose the passion. Oh, for yeah. it too. Somewhere along the way you're like, man, fuck this shit. This yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. Look,
1: can man. you imagine driving eight to 10 <laughs> hours to a racetrack and being pissed off that you don't even have the money to put gas in, or you're going to have to run your kid on ragged ass tires just because mm. you guys didn't set your budget a set of time. Now you're putting people in danger, right? It's, there's too many. There's too many risks already in the sport to add other risks for poor planning.
0: That's a, a fact. You know, and speaking of all that, being a parent in the sport, being a coach in the sport, I know you come across a lot of egotistic parents within the, the paddock, right? So, how do you handle that that situation or overcome that? I should say. Um,
1: so er- early on in in the championship, I used to be a lot more involved with what I saw in the paddock. Um, and eventually it ended up not turning out to what I thought because then the parents started using me as their scapegoat and that that's not what I need the kids thinking about when, when they're coming to the racetrack, right? So for the most part, if, if I see a situation with a parent, not addressing the child the way I think he should be addressing, I tend not to step in immediately I kind of let them, you know, do what they do, whatever. And then we kind of have a sidebar conversation and and they either learn from that conversation or, you know, at the end of the day, they're the parent, it's their child. You know, you're at my event, so I'm going to selectively re- and respectfully ask you to act a certain way in my paddock. But once you leave my paddock, there really isn't, you know, much for me to do. Um, parents do tend to hurt the sport more than the kids, right? Um, Sometimes parents live through their kids, um, and that is not a good thing. Um, I think you need to let your child figure themselves out at their own pace. Some kids are going to learn quicker than others. Um, This sport activates a lot of your cognitive um, activities in your brain. Some people's brain don't adapt to it as quickly as others. That doesn't mean they're not going to be fast. That doesn't mean they're not going to be competitive. It just means they may not be competitive right now. And I think parents take a small glimpse of spark and say, oh shit, my kids got it. And then once a parent turns that switch on and now they start just pounding it in, pounding it in, pounding it in, and the kids aren't gonna have fun. You're gonna burn your kids out. Um, And if you don't burn your kids out, you're gonna get them hurt because they're gonna be pushing way beyond their boundaries to make you happy and you're gonna hurt them. They're gonna crash, they're gonna high side, they're gonna get hurt. Our kids, I'm going to say, from five to at least 16, I'm going to say, are probably more interested in satisfying their parents' happiness than what's actually going on on the racetrack. Yeah, they love winning the race, and it's exciting for them. They high-five their friends, but once they win the race, that's it. That, That whole aspect is out. And now they're looking at their parents like, okay, did I do everything he wanted me to do? Is he or she happy? Did I, did I make it worthwhile for them? And when you get to that point, it's really, really difficult to get out. Um, I did it. I did it as well as a parent, you know, um, trying to understand going through the sport, being new to the sport. And again, I was a soccer player, right? So I kind of knew that world. I didn't know this world very much. So early on, I didn't know how to talk to Julian. I didn't know how to talk to Grayson and there was a lot of arguments back and forth on how I was teaching them, how I was coaching them. And then I had to bring other people in to help because I just, I I couldn't figure it out. So as a parent, your, your ego needs to stay in check, right? This is, this is, they're the ones on the motorcycle. They're the ones in the race. They're the ones riding the bike. They're the ones enjoying the sport. You need to pull yourself out of that and you need to enjoy the sport as a spectator. Provide what they need, make sure they're fed, make sure they're drank enough water, make sure their bikes are good, clean, ready to go. Once they leave you and once they come back, the conversations between the parents and the riders needs to be energetic. They need to be fun. They need to be exciting. Oh, did you see I messed up in that turn? Yeah, you messed up in the turn. What did you do? How did it happen? What can we do to fix it? Let's go ask a coach. Let's find out what kind of drills we can do at home. Right. Always be the solution. Don't be the problem. Don't be the negative. They already know they messed up, man. They already know they screwed up. They already know they lost it. They already know they won it. Whatever the situation is, they already know. Their main focus is making sure that you are happy with what they did because they want to satisfy you. And if you squash that, that feeling in them, if you burst that bubble that every time they come off the track, you've got something negative to say, or you're smashing on them verbally, or you know, you're. You're letting out your emotions for something that you had no control over. You're not going to have fun. And if you're not going to have fun, then what are you going to do? You're going to have an upset child at home. You're going to have an upset household. And now you're carrying it past the weekend into the week. Who wants to deal with that during the week? Nobody does. So for the parents, and I know we've said in our first thing, you got to have fun. They're not going to get signed as a contract in mini GP, I promise you. They're not going to get signed out of a contract in CCS or Wira or Pan Am. The only time it matters is when they're being paid. At that point, they need to be competitive. They need to be performing. They need to be satisfying a job, just like we do. If you go to work and you don't do your job, guess what? You get fired and you ain't getting paid. Up until that point, your child does not need any additional pressure from home. At all. At all. Let them have fun. Let them enjoy the sport. All of you need to be enjoying the sport. Again, this sport is already too damn risky, too expensive as it is not to have fun and enjoy. Some of the best parts for me now is driving to the racetracks. I enjoy just being in the car with my two turds driving to the racetrack or hopping in the car with the family and dogs and going to the mini GP events. My most fun is in the vehicle on the way to the event because we bullshit. We hang out. We talk you know, during the week. Yeah, we're home. We have dinner together every night. But we don't really get to hang out because I'm either in the garage working on stuff or I'm doing on work on the laptop or Sassy's dealing with nursing stuff or the boys are doing homework. So you don't really get to, you know, bullshit as much as you would really want to. Yeah. My drives to the racetracks are all bullshit. We're jamming the music. We're watching comedy shows. We're talking shit. I'm busting the kids balls. I'm messing around with Sassy. Like, it's fun, right? It's You have to have Fun, and I know it's hard to do when you're trying to live through your kid, yeah. and your kid's not satisfying those ticks, right? But you gotta remove that. You really, really gotta remove that.
0: Absolutely, well said. You know, it's great advice for all the other uh, parents out there for for sure in the sport. Um, I've seen it on track days too, myself, Mike. Where. Dude, parents will just go ballistic and i'm thinking to myself like dude why? this is not the way to approach no. it like you just it, what you did is you hurt your kid in way more ways than you actually realize. you did now he don't want to come back he's like nope i ain't going back especially my parents are going right yeah no. yeah dude it's, it's why am i it's, gonna go to a
1: racetrack if my dad's just gonna get pissed off or why am i going to a racetrack right? if my mom's just gonna hound everybody like that's not fun for anyone dude
0: it's absolutely it's not it's it's really not and then you know dude listen we're we're, Mike's got to be out of here in like 19 minutes and man we still got a lot to talk about so listen part three will be coming up but Mike where do you see the direction of the future of our sport so motorcycling motorcycle road racing
1: I think is still pretty far away from what motocross is in the United States um we have to crack the code and figure out how to attract the brands and the financing to get value to our sport. Um, if you're a dirt bike racer and you make it to Supercross, you know, you're making pretty damn good money. If you're a basketball playing kid and you make it through college and you make it to the NBA, you're going to be making pretty damn good money. Same thing with all the other ball sports, road racers, you're not making a lot of money in the sport. And if you are making money, you might as well still stay single to enjoy that money. Because once you grow a family, that money's not going to last very long. So um, we, we need to crack that code. We need to figure out how to get the factories back in. We need to figure out how to get those major sponsorships in. We got to figure out how to get these other companies in through marketing for the sport. And, you know, we're doing a very, very small part by growing it and getting, you know, butts to seats. But yet. You know, a lot of people hunk, oh, well, now you got baggers showing up. Well, baggers are bringing in the, the audience, man. You gotta bring people back in. You gotta attract people. So until we crack that code, I don't see road racing blowing up the way motocross does. And that's even in the world championship, right? When, when you have a Moto2 rider who's paying $800,000 for his ride coming either out of his pocket or sp- personal sponsors, there's a problem. There's a problem in the world championship if people are still buying seats, right? Um, so I, I think we're still pretty far away from saying road racing is a financial benefit to a professional. Um, and, and I don't know what that answer is. I, I Moto America has done a great job with bringing this sport back into the United States and and doing what it does for the sport here. But I don't know how to bring it back to what it was like in the seventies, eighties and nineties. I I don't know. I, you know, when you pull, when you pull the cigarettes and the alcohol, you know, all those big companies that have the big money, when you pull those out and you know, the factories aren't selling bikes because the economy is stupid and, you know, people are struggling to buy homes. They're not going to go buy motorcycles. Right. So I think it's a big overall problem um that's not going to get solved in one year five years or maybe not even 10 years but the quality of road racers that are coming out now is better um we're seeing a lot more kids shooting out to Europe to test in Europe and get pushed you know by the talent pool that is in Europe again our country's too big our country's too big to put all those kids together and make them race together because it's going to cost some families more than others so If you can go to Spain and you can be in a championship where you have Spanish riders and you're being pushed and you're learning, you're going to come back even stronger than when you left. So I do see an influx in a lot of families starting to plan, you know, a Europe based route, which is fantastic to see a lot more American flags out there. And I think that'll help, right? If, if one of those or two of those or three of those Americans break through that European paddock and become successful, I think it's going to spark a lot more interest in the sport from the American side, right? Cause we, yeah. we haven't had an American champion since Nikki Hayden, right? Joe Roberts has, has been in the paddock for a really, really long time, but he hasn't been able to do that big thing either. So until we start showing that Americans are strong in the sport, can go out to Europe and showcase and perform and win, it's going to be tough to, to transform the sport. Cause you send the, uh, you know, USA, NBA goes to the Olympics. They fucking wipe the ground with everybody. So it's massive. Same thing with baseball. Same thing with every soccer. You know, soccer isn't that strong yet, but it's getting stronger, right? They're they're a global powerhouse, you would say yeah. now. Um, to golf, right? We're the biggest thing in golf. So where's all the money go to? It goes into golf. And now you've got Dubai with live and all this other stuff with golf, right? So it just if Americans don't show that they're a powerhouse in the sport, it's going to be tough to bring that money in.
0: No, I I can't agree more. You you hit the nail on the head. As far as cigarettes, alcohol, dude, the whole everything you said, you were absolutely right. The golden days, right, where people were making like a million dollars, Matt Malad and all of them. I mean, I'm assuming, right, at at least 500 grand easily. They They were making plenty of money to live comfortably and still not have a job today. Let's say that facts right if that don't say a lot you know it's it's uh yeah man listen we're, we're coming up on 10 minutes left of this almost so I want to get away from all the motorcycles I want to get into some more personal stuff but well, listen I, I appreciate everybody that that that's I've seen all your guys's comment I hadn't had a chance to any any good ones you
1: before you go to my personal stuff any good ones anything that I can uh light the fire with because I know we wanted to let the public in dude any good we did. ones any good ones
0: uh, um, I can I can extend
1: we can extend to 415 let's extend okay. to 415 let's get the
0: public in All right, let's see. Listen, if anybody's watching, dude, and you want to come on live and ask Michael Carrera a question, hit me up on Facebook Messenger and I'll shoot you the link and, yeah, you can can join us and uh, ask away. So, let's see.
1: Pick Um, some good
0: ones. All right, I'm going to start from the beginning. I can't see some of them for some reason, but uh, Chris Gladden says, what's up? Carrie says, it's been awesome watching what you have done since day one. Carrie and her Uh, husband were coaches since day one, bro. They were helping
1: me around with little kids from day one. Then they went off on their hiatus to have their own babies. And now they're back, and their oldest baby got on the track and is racing with us since 2023, dude. So full circle there.
0: Yeah, and she also said wooden spoon with a bunch of laughing emojis, which is awesome. (laughs) I was laughing at that. Uh, And then we have a comment that says um, maybe try to put together a national race, I guess, for SFL Mini, which would be awesome. But, again, the cost. Yeah, we went through um, that already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh let's see. Absolutely couldn't have said it better. I had the realization where we can balance attention effect resources. Scott is, do, 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 do. Scott is angry, Santa, Rick. <laughs> 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 I love it, dude. Uh, Rick does say one key thing I have learned is that we can have fun and fulfilling life racing just minis. That allows us realistically evaluate where we go next. Yep. Yeah. yeah absolutely Rick, Rick, Rick and
1: I have had many of those father to father conversations on how to set up and where the kids go and rick's one of those dads that has a good head on his shoulders he realizes you know the the current capacity of what his child is able to do and i appreciate that coming from from another dad understanding you know where their child is not is their child meeting their expectations so Rick, rick is a really really good example of of that
0: yeah, he also says Coop knows that one day he feels if his racing for me is the day we need to stop. We discuss this at least once a month. You're right. It's very important if your child nope. just says, um, I'm done. That's it. You be yeah, exactly. done.
1: Exactly. And
0: when, when in the future, he says, hey, I just want to, you know, get back into SFL, but I don't want to take anything too serious. And yeah,
1: yeah that's, absolutely. That's an absolute option for sure.
0: Yeah, you got to... Uh, You you got to let them live through their own dreams, not your own, too, for sure. Um, CJ Cohen, what is up, my man? He says, speak it, Michael Carrera. Uh, Jason Wingler, my daughter lives 30 minutes from Jerez. Lucky. Oof. Right? Yeah. Dude. (laughs) Uh, David Gonzalez said, that's why the North American Talent Cup failed.
1: That's exactly why, unfortunately. Yep.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's
1: too it's, difficult, man. It's too big of a country to travel. And like I said, you you isolate too many families because of that cost of travel. It's just it's too difficult. There's you have to divide the country up and leave it as worst case scenario. If you just have a West Coast champion and East Coast champion, if that's what you get to, then that's what you get to. But it's got to be divided up. You can't have one Champion because that champion won't be a true champion because all the riders that were secluded due to the cost
0: weren't part of that race. Yeah, facts, man, one hundred percent. Question: Rick Glover says for the both of us, uh, what would you change in MA if you were in charge?
1: Ooh, um, the travel one, right? So we can go back to that. If if I was MA with their power, their outreach, their financial prowess let's say uh my my championship with ma would be that you would have four regions with four champions and those four champions would be segregated to their regions you i go back to again you can't have one national champion in this country because you're secluding out too many families This is minis now. I'm not talking about 600 super bike professional racing. I'm talking about minis. The families are the most critical part about this sport when it comes to minis. If you can't attract the families, if the families can't afford to come out and play, right? We're talking about minis. We're coming out to play, to learn, to have an experience. This is why Disney has Orlando and Disney has California. Because they want to be able to get as many people as possible. So you can't expect people from California to come once a year to Disney in Florida, but you can expect them to go three, four times a year if they're already in their state or on that side of the country, right? So you have to you have to understand from the big conglomerate companies how they do it, and then make it fun and feasible for the minis. Talking about minis, there's no real way of having a national mini champion with how big this country is. You can have four. You can have six if you want to split up the the wet the the central but you can't have one and if i was motor america i would make sure that each region had their champion those champions would feel like champions because they tackled their region and they are that region champion so that would probably be the biggest thing i would change if i was running ma
0: yeah it's i agree man you got to cut expense for all the families because if you Keep it the way it's going. I kind of foresee, dude, you're weeding out so many yeah. Valentina Rossi's and Mark Marquez's mm-hmm. out there that'll never ever realize their full potential because of the money, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not all bombs can have only fans paid. No, just be no. honest, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: absolutely. So. And, and I mean, if you're going to be a professional, then it's going to cost you money, right? How many racers going to the Daytona 200 this year? only race the daytona 200 and don't chase the motor america season because i think your fees to get into daytona are three grand alone
0: forget the amount of tires and fuel
1: and everything else you got to get to and the travel and the bike prep and you need a team to change your shit in the middle and your pit and right so there's there's a bunch of racers right that go to have fun at the daytona 200 knowing full well they're not going to win knowing full well they may not be competitive but guess what that is what they've planned and budgeted for an entire year to be like, okay, my bike is ready. I'm ready. My people are ready. My bike is there. And guess what? They could go do five laps and the motor blows. Yeah. Ain't no one going to give you your money back, baby. That's it. Yep. That's something out of your control. So no, I, absolutely, it, it goes back to the planning. It goes back to the planning, understanding who you are, what you are, what you're capable of, what your expectations are, what you can actually achieve Put money to all of it and say, "Okay, this is as far as I can get."
0: Yeah, that, you're right. And and then Jason I, actually on top of that, he says, "Plus the bike is only set up for Daytona 200." Correct. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's certain set. You got quick, yeah. you know, front, rear, gas tank fills, dude. Yeah, the whole spill. It's it's absolutely yeah. it is, and that alone is uh,
1: just setting powerful. the bike up. Just setting the setting bike up. The just yeah. And is right, TOBC is a perfect example. They only do 200. And they excel at it, right? I think they've got like 12 or 13 freaking Daytonas under their belt. So that is a team that is bred for just going to do Daytonas. And that's what they do. That's what they plan. That's what they do. They hire phenomenal racers to get onto their bikes. They've got fantastic pit crews and they succeed. That's what they plan for.
0: Yeah. And I can not imagine you know, the the cost just for TOBC, just for Daytona, it's got to be, I mean, realistically, I, I would assume 50 grand or more at least. Easily. Right? I mean, Easily. it's hard to tell. And that's just one race for yeah. 200 laps. That's, 200 I mean, 57 days. laps. That's yeah, that's 200 that's, miles. If you make it,
1: ha, I mean, 10, 15% of the people don't even make it to the show because their bikes blow up. Yeah. It's, or they forget it, their key. Or, don't forget right. your key. <laughs> just it just any anything and everything or you have a crash or somebody takes you out or it rains or you got sick or you got food poisoning or you decided to drink too many beers the following day and you slept through it like dude so many things can happen and it's yeah. just you know it, it goes back to the planning all of it
0: yeah it's it's yeah that's that's something we do need in our sport is is lower cost and you know uh yeah but yeah, Mike, dude, this has been due 55 minutes in. I know you got to run soon, man. And listen, so everybody, uh, listen, we're going to have a part three of this, so stay tuned we for will. just so much we more. Will we got to talk about but uh yeah i, I want to get into to a couple questions that I actually had from michael o, sure. away from racing and uh that have actually been asking uh a, a lot of my guests um so i want to start out obviously you know i'm a huge soccer fan i catch a lot of shit from my friends in america they're like oh football i'm like nah bro your handball is not football the real <laughs> football is soccer play with a black and white ball and you use your feet that's yeah. what football is but anyway um, who's your favorite soccer player
1: Cristiano Ronaldo, by far, gone. So I, I will admit, Leonel Messi is the GOAT. He has the World Cup, um, Cristiano Ronaldo does not. But if my style of play, when I was growing up, he was always the right, the player I wanted to emulate. Um, and then second to him would be Carlos Valderrama. So those are my two soccer icons. Um, outside of that, I, I really enjoyed watching Mia Hamm play because she was hot. And I really enjoy uh, watching. Uh, what's her name now? Uh, oh, who's the hot one now on the women's soccer team? There's another uh, one.
0: There is. I, I can't think of her name now. I can't
1: think of her name either, but she's hot too. So I like watching her play. But outside of that, it was Cristiano Ronaldo and Carlos
0: Valderrama. Yeah. So, so mine is uh, I like Ronaldo too and Messi. Th- those are my top two. And then, dude, I really like Neymar Jr. Yeah. Um, Something about Neymar, dude, and Mbappe. Mbappe's my dude, too, right? Um, how can you not like Mbappe, man? He's such a, a character. All right, so books. I'm a big audio book guy, dude. Do, do you listen or read books?
1: Uh, I do not read a lot, I must admit. I don't read a lot. Um, my favorite childhood book was Old Yeller. And recently, I read Leathered by uh, John, John Hopkins. Hopkins. So I really book, enjoy, uh reading Leathered. I tried reading the Dunlop story. Um, it didn't grab me enough, so I, I didn't finish that one. Um, I've read The Art of War. So a lot of the business books I read when I was in college and, and kind of doing that stuff, but none of those, I'm like, you know, reading is great. Reading is powerful. You do need to read. Um, I suck at it, but uh, yeah, I'd say Leathered lately was a really, really good book by John Hopkins, and when I was younger, Old Yeller. Dude, of mice and men of mice
0: and men was good too. That was no, that book. that was that was uh the art of war. All, every book you just said, I've read, right? But to me, out of every book, as far as motorcycle racers go, fucking John Hopkins killed it, dude. Because yeah, he didn't hold shit back. He's like, I'm smoking weed, I'm riding a moto GP bike high shit. And I was like, What the fuck, dude? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, that's what I love. I love people in their honesty. Like, don't yeah. bullshit about it let everybody know. Exactly. That's why I like these questions. That's why I ask my guests yep. the personal questions, right? So like hey, listen, uh, what's your favorite music, Mike?
1: Um, I am a hip hop guy, uh, 80s and 90s hip hop for sure. If you want to get me revved up going uh, 80s and 90s hip hop. Um, if I'm feeling romantic and I'm trying to smooth the old lady, then I'll throw some R&B on. Um, usually on my drives from work after a long day, I'm listening to michael buble i'm listening to bocelli i'm listening to the rat pack um so i like that to kind of calm down yes. um lately not the uh, last two years my wife's gotten me into country so i i you know i dab in the country i like the country a little bit um and when it comes to partying man reggaeton eh, reggaeton can't can't forget my latin up roots and reggaeton gets me going and we're ready to go
0: Dude, that's awesome. I dude, I'm you funny you said the rat pack because I was just jamming the rat pack at work and a bunch of Frank Sinatra, and people are like, yeah. you, you listen to yeah. this? I'm like, yeah. dude. Yeah. Bro, are you kidding yeah. me, right? You don't know Frank, yeah. bitch. You better learn. Yeah,
1: very, very eclectic. Um, a lot of it definitely on, on how I'm feeling. Thankfully, I've I've gotten enough different music to to kind of get me in there. When I was younger, you know, clubbing in Jersey and stuff, you know, I was big into the whole disco and clubbing and and tech. Um, never got into rock and roll. Never got into heavy metal. Um, I, 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 I lie, though. I really do lie because my walk-in song, when I played at NJIT, um, my walk-in song was uh, Disturbed, Down With The Sickness. So that was my walk-in song. That was my hype song for college. Um, outside of that, never really got into heavy metal or, or rock and roll and stuff, but that song until the end, when he starts, you know, talking shit at the end of the song, I kind of cut it off. But from the beginning to that final point, I'm good with the whole song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good shit, dude. Good shit. All right. So Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. Okay. All right. All right.
1: Good. Never got into either one of them.
0: Okay. Nice. Spaceballs.
1: Spaceballs. Uh, dude, I watched that. I was getting.
0: That, that's the shit Spaceballs. right there, right? Absolutely space balls. Um, Favorite food, Mike, like your, your, your um, go-to, hands down, like this is my – if you could have one dish for the rest of your life. So
1: my wife doesn't like when I say this, but – so when we grew up, we didn't grow up with a lot. Um, and my dish for probably a good portion of my teenage year that my mom was able to do was scrabbled eggs and Spanish rice. I mean, that's what we ate for dinner for many, 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 many nights. And I really don't get to have that dish a lot now. So if I had to and say for for the rest of my life, what am I going to have? It'll be Spanish rice and scrambled eggs. Um, Outside of that now, um, I like Italian food. Um, I enjoy sushi. Uh, Grayson and I like sushi. So we go out on sushi dates every once in a while. So that makes it more fun for me to do. Um, I like sushi, but if I had to pick a plate, um, it goes back to my mom and Spanish rice and scrambled eggs, man. That's, That's what we had. That's what we could afford. It was good enough for us, and it got me to here, so I'll keep doing it. Dude,
0: that's awesome. And my, dude, wife, <laughs> my wife will crack
1: my my wife will crack jokes and be like, man, why do you act like such a poor dude when you say that? <laughs> I go, I don't know. Sometimes I crave it. Sometimes I want it. I just want scrambled eggs and Spanish rice, man. That's it. It's
0: mama's food, man. Absolutely. Uh Rick Glover says Mike loves spicy food and cheese.
1: I hate fucking cheese. I hate <laughs> cheese. Spicy food. I'm all right with spicy food. It can't be stupid spicy, but cheese, bro. I can't stand cheese. I can't smell cheese. I'll have pizza. So I am weird. I will have pizza, but you know, mozzarella doesn't really have a lot of flavor. Um, So uh, anything that has mozzarella, like chicken parm, I'll eat chicken parm and stuff like that. But you're not going to see me sitting down and have a freaking brick of blue cheese or whatever other funky shit you guys eat. Nah, I'm good. The worse it smells, the more it makes me want to puke. I'm good. No.
0: <laughs> so no blue cheese on your salad, huh? Hell no.
1: Blue cheese <laughs> or ranch? Neither.
0: Moving along. <laughs> Moving along. That's it. All right. Celebrity crush, baby. Oh,
1: All right. So Jennifer Aniston, number one, for sure. Um, outside of that, I've got a crush on Shakira. Um, uh, Blake L- uh Blake. Yeah. Blake Lively. That's her name. Yeah, Blake. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds' wife, Blake Blake Lively. Yep, yeah, Blake Lively. Um, Salma Hayek, yes. Beyonce. Oh, I take me some Beyonce. Yeah. And let's see. There's one more. Who else? Who am I missing? I'm missing someone. I'm sure my wife will end up telling me later. How could you forget? Uh, <laughs> there is another one, but I can't remember who it is now. Your hey, hobby
0: yeah. for women. Yeah, I get, I get them yeah, too.
1: That's it. That's it right there. Right. Yeah, that's it so I'm, what, not, I'm I, not like Jay Dexter not answering the question. I'm gonna answer the question. Yeah, Jay. Jay.
0: Yeah, Jay. Yeah, right? That's awesome. Uh listen, what advice would you give your younger self? Um
1: that is a great freaking question. Um I know exactly what I would tell myself. I would tell myself, don't spend so much time in college for the career path you took. Um, and let me explain that. So being first generation American in my family, my parents are Colombian, uh, so they migrated here and, and became citizens here. So I was the first child born here in the States. School was massive. Right. People from from those countries, they want you to go to school. They want you to go to college. They want you to become a professional. So that was instilled in me really, 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 really early on. So I went ahead. I got my bachelor's. I lie. I got a full scholarship to Lincoln Technical Institute, where I got my drafting license. From there, I took, uh, I got, I played D one for New Jersey Institute of Technology. So I did construction management for my bachelor's. Then I decided to go into my master's and get my master's in business with a concentration in project management. None of those degrees have done anything for my career that my experience from being the step on all the way at the bottom to the VP that I am today um, have done anything for this type of career. So if I was to do it all over again, I would skip the college route because I am currently still seventy three thousand dollars in debt, paying six hundred dollars a month for God knows how many more fucking years. Um, and I graduated, I graduated my master's in 2012, 13. Uh, yeah. Grayson was a year. So 2013, 2013, 2014 is when I graduated. So we're now 10 years in, um, and I've been paying that bill since I graduated from my bachelor's. So my bachelor's was 2006. Um, yeah so i've been paying that bill for 14 years now if not longer and there's no end in sight because that fucking number doesn't drop it's been seventy three thousand dollars for as long as i can freaking remember so um if i was to do it all over again i'd say f the college route don't do it get into the trenches um learn in the field like i did anyway and i would probably still be sitting where i'm sitting today so um Not to say that college isn't needed, I think college for a certain route, lawyer, doctor, engineer, um, I think you do need to take the college route and that that degree is needed for that career path. But I'm a strong believer in getting dirty, getting your hands used, you know, figure a different if you want to be an entrepreneur, figure out something you love, make money on it. If you don't know what to do. be, you know, get into the locals, go find an electrical company, mechanical company, plumbing company, get in there, you know, be the dirt that they walk on, learn everything you can freaking learn, because it doesn't take much to start your own business. And once you start it, and you start clients, man, the the world is yours at that point. So I'm a big, big believer in, you know, we need, we need people who can use their hands and aren't afraid to get dirty. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, that shit ain't gonna last forever. Yeah, it's peaking now and doing a bunch of shit. But If you don't know how to use your hands if you're not instrumental to society i don't i don't think you're going to succeed especially the way i think the world is going so uh if i was to do it all over again i wouldn't do the college route and i would just stick to my plan
0: yeah it's uh I, i see that's something that's uh uh wrong with our uh, college I man, a lot of kids go to school and they get, you know, like you said, $100,000 college bills. They don't even use what they do. And then they're in debt for the rest of their fucking life. For,
1: yeah, and it, I'm I, I'm in the career that I went to school for and I still can't fucking pay it off. So <laughs> it
0: right. doesn't it's, make sense. It Absolutely. In the world, our, our direction, our world's going in. This is a whole nother conversation, but it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So listen, if, if you could eat dinner with five people dead or alive, road racers, movie stars, whoever it is, what five people would they be?
1: So I would have dinner. And again, this is not politically at all. I just, I I like the business aspect of it. So if I could have dinner with five people I would have Donald Trump at my dinner table. Um, I would have, uh, damn, I knew you were gonna ask this question and I had them. (laughs) I'd have Donald Trump at my table. I'd have, uh, oh, why am I losing it right now? Um, the producer from The Godfather. What's his name?
0: Oh, uh, oh my
1: God, I'm drawing a blank.
0: Yeah, uh, fuck, God damn it, uh, not Michael. Uh, okay, well, the producer
1: from from all those Italian gangster movies, I'd have him. Yes. Um, I'd have Kobe Bryant. I'd have Kobe Bryant. I'd have Michael Jordan, and I would have
0: my grandfather. Nice. Not Michael Scorsese. Scorsese. There he is. is. Him. Him. Thank yeah. you, Rick. Absolutely. So Donald,
1: Thank you. Donald and Scorsese would be the business talk. Michael Jordan and Kobe would be the leadership talk. And my grandfather would be make sure you stay on the right path as a man talk. Yeah, yeah. That's who would be at my table.
0: Dude, if I could have anybody, it'd, it'd be my grandma too, for sure. I miss her more than Man, anything. So absolutely, yep. dude. Yep. Defer- yeah. My,
1: my, abs. Well, the grandfather, because my mom is adopted. So the guy that I knew as a grandfather, um, you know, back in the day, they didn't have freaking TV. So he had, th- I think my mom's family is seven girls and six boys. So he managed that entire household as a horse farmer and a coffee bean farmer in the mountains of Colombia. that back in his day were riddled with you know the gangs and the cocaine wars and all that bullshit and he kept that family through his ranch is gorgeous never got touched never got demolished whatever he did nobody fucked with him and he'll never tell us what he did but it's uh he's definitely one i would have at my table just to see if if he would give me the secret that uh, he's got a pretty cool fucking story nice nice
0: dude good stuff man so we actually had one question come in before I let you give your shout outs and we end this, uh, 675 dreamer says any tips for getting my young children into riding?
1: Uh, find a, if, if you're on the East coast, find one of our mini GP locations. Um, both of us have everything you need to be able to get on the track. So our, our motto is to remove the excuses. So you don't have to worry about bikes, gear, coaching, any of that nonsense. We've got everything. So all you've got to do is show up and ride. Um, if you're not on the East coast, um, I know some of the other mini organizations kind of type it into your Google, you know, type in your state, type in minis or mini racing or motorcycle racing, see what comes up, reach out to them, ask all the questions you need to ask. If they don't know how to answer those questions, feel free to reach out to me and I'll reach out to people. I have a lot of contacts um, to kind of help out and figure out where you should go and who's got the best setup for you. So I would highly suggest find a mini look organization near you Get in there with them, figure out what they can offer you, how they can help you set up, and then go from there. Honestly, just have some fun.
0: Dude, you guys heard it there. So, yeah, listen, Mike's got to go because he's got stuff he's got to do. Um, so, Mike, before we get off here, tell everybody where they can find you in SFL Mini, which you guys should already know because I say it yeah. all the time. But just reassure them on how they can get, you know, all that.
1: No, I'll, I'll do that. Let me give my sponsors a little bit of, Absolutely. Time. So yes. for for this year, um, we made a big switch, uh, Spec 50. So Spec 50 for the last seven years was uh, sponsored by Rye. This year we're sponsored by KYT. Um, so big shout out to KYT for jumping aboard and, and taking over the Spec 50 class. Uh, Dunlop came on this year as well. Um, Pirelli was sponsoring some of the kids' classes last year uh this year Dunlop stepped up and they're going to be taking care of the spec 110 class and a handful of other classes. I'm still kind of working through it with them, but you know Dunlop's got some big plans for mini GP and and they want to kind of run a program like they run for motocross. So I'm excited for that program to get introduced to our kids. Um you got NV MB Leathers and has been doing a lot of a lot of the leathers down in the southeast. Um he stepped up the last couple of years for the GP110 class um i got dhm david hugh motoring and cgr performance with cameron jones i don't know why it took so long to get these guys into some of our classes a lot of it is my fault a lot of it is their fault because we never had the conversation but they're in they're here they're sponsoring the f1 and the f2 classes this year um 73 motor parts bernan hersay out of california um he's reached out he's been wanting to get in with mini GP so we were able to put a program together for him to sponsor the super mini class so big big shout outs to them um and when I say sponsorship you know spot that word means a lot to different people so I want to be perfectly clear when I'm saying they're sponsoring mini GP there is no financial gain by me myself I or my family Anything that they are sponsoring goes directly to our family members. Um, They do not provide money. This is all their top of the line products, massive packages that they put together because they know it's worth it for our family members and our racers. So um, anyone that does get their logo placed on our posters or gets announced as a sponsor for Mini GP, I promise you they are stepping up big time, providing amazing support and product for the champions of those classes and i'm grateful and honored that they have reached out and wanted to do it through mini gp so big round of applause to them and and congratulations on stepping up for the sport stepping up for mini gp and all of our sponsorships again are 100 to the families none of it comes to the organization there's no financial impact to them on on our end
0: man you guys heard it first dude listen this has been an honor. I can't wait for part three. Before we get off here, I got a couple things I got to say just real quick. Thank you for everybody. Sorry I didn't give everybody a shout-out that's been watching man. Me and Mike's just been going at it because there's been a lot we had to say. Yeah. So, uh, I appreciate all you guys watching. Please go like and subscribe because it helps me out a ton, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iHeart, all that. Uh, I always appreciate All the love and support for everybody out there. You guys know that. Uh, Big shout-out to Michael Carrera and that whole SFL mini GP, like I always say. My man Juju this year, if you guys hadn't had a chance, if they even have any slots left for Club 40, you you guys still have slots left? Mike? Did I lose you, Mike? Uh, I think we – we might have lost mike hopefully he'll jump back in real quick but listen um go sign up for a, a SFL uh mini um uh, yeah so what, what i was telling I'll him mike fire. is is, is there any uh oh juju so juju does have some spots back uh left for club 40
1: yes he's got 20 spots left
0: okay there you go so listen you guys go sign up uh i did so go help him out uh talented kid uh it's listen 2024 season is going to be proper mega for him. Uh, Big shout out to my man Jake Marsh and the Clothing King podcast. The whole R&D race team right out there that actually sponsors Pending Gas. What an honor it is. My man Martin from the Clothing Kings uh, .co.uk You can go out there and get all Pending Gas merch, hats, t-shirts, all that good stuff. But listen, guys, I'm going to get off here. I'm going to let Mike go. It was an absolute honor. Can't wait for part three, Mike.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you again. I know I promised you a lot of questions and stuff, so I don't want to leave you feeling like we didn't want to address your comments. So if you want to send me your comments, send me your comments. I'll make videos addressing every single one of them, I promise. So I'll go through the chat. I'll see what comments are there. If you want to message me, message me those comments. I'm on Instagram, gp.com, On Facebook, hit me on Messenger. Uh, send me an email, however you feel comfortable. Get me the question over and I promise you I'll make a video and I'll address a bunch of questions. So we did get carried away in the podcast, but it was a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you you understood kind of like the hard the hard knock version of what this sport is, what to expect. Um, there's so much more that we could talk about. We can make this podcast 24 hours long if we wanted to. So um, we will do it again. Chris, again, congratulations to you dude. Massive, massive job getting your podcast off the ground. You've got great guests. You're doing stuff every day, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm I'm excited that you invite me back. I'm excited that you invite the mini GP uh, kids in. And and uh, congrats to you, dude.
0: Fantastic Thank job. you, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's an absolute honor. Absolutely. But, yeah, listen, everybody, I will see you soon. I have a podcast Thursday. Yeah, so I'll see you guys on the day after tomorrow. See you guys. So, yeah, Mike, dude, that was a lot of fun, bro. I appreciate it.